Welcome to episode number five of It Takes Two to Tango, Conversations That Move Us. I am Martina. And I'm Nat. And together we are two life coaches on a mission to make the world a better dance floor. In this series, we invite you to a metaphorical dance. It's a conversation about how to partner with life in a more meaningful way. We will translate some of the concepts that we have learned from Argentine tango and ballroom dancing so that you can use it off the dance floor and experience the kind of bliss that we experience in partner dancing. And you get to experience that in your life as well as in your leadership. So Martina, shall we dance? I would be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> so before we start, I'm curious about your background today. So what? Uh, wh yeah, where? I thought I was gonna mix it up. This is a picture that I took last August when we were in Buenos Aires for the Mundial, and uh, we we w I went on a trip with uh, our tango school here in Boston. So um, it's it's hard to believe that it was just uh, a year ago that we were there, and uh, kind of sad that uh, it'll probably be a little bit longer before we get to go back yeah so thank you for sharing that this way at least we can imagine ourselves there i have in my mind already a tango playing <laughs> <laughs> i'm listening to uh francisco canaro's version of el flete in my head so. <laughs> uh, nice <laughs> oh wonderful oh. so yeah, so, so today, today's topic, um, I, I love this topic. It came out of something that you said uh, last time when we recorded the idea. I know it all. I know nothing and <laughs> in between. So tell me first what's on your mind um, about the topic. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, right? Because as as students, we can start as students of dance. Uh, if we haven't had any experience, we feel like we know nothing, right? And we we uh, try to absorb and uh, take as many classes and try, just try basically try to learn as much as we can uh, until we feel like we can be competent. Uh, but then sometimes we reach the next stage. It's not always the right the exact next stage, but at some point we reach a stage where we feel like we know it we, we, and we know it all, right? <laughs> and that we can do this because we have the steps down. Uh, and usually around that time, we realize that we might know the steps, but we really don't know it all. <laughs> and and during that phase, it can be challenging until we, sometimes we, we hit uh, a wall of like, well, how come I'm not getting better? Uh, I, you know, or dancing better, even though I know the steps. And that's when we get to kind of go back to, I really know nothing. <laughs> oh, I um, am very familiar with that feeling. I actually have a story about that. <laughs> Oh, I'd love to hear. Experience. So um, uh, I went to my very first Tango Summit. I believe it was a summit uh, with a bunch of workshops. And uh, 
I was asked by a dance partner who I'm, whom I respect highly and we danced beautifully together. Now, this was about a year and a half into my dancing career. Um, and, you know, I had never danced as a child, so I don't have any ballet background. I had a little bit of high school dancing, you know, where we went through, I think, the, the bronze curriculum when I was 16. And that's about it. And so I'm about a year and a half into tango, which in tango time is nothing, right? But by that time, I had uh, learned all these crazy steps. We had learned uh, ganchos and enganches and uh, some easy volcadas and colgadas, and I felt I knew it. Plus, you know, we were dancing at Milonga, so we were doing well. So here we are at the summit, and we're enrolling in this advanced uh, workshop for couples by a master couple from Argentina that we admired, you know, who were doing some fantastic movements. I had studied the YouTube videos and everything. I was excited about that class. And, you know, we were advanced dancers. We knew the steps. <laughs> and there was one move that he showed uh, with his partner. And I believe it was a back saccada with a gancho, something really pretzely that requires a lot of dissociation and really a lot of technique. And my partner and I, we just could not figure it out. And so we asked the instructor, can you help us? And he was kind enough in a room full of 50 people who actually were advanced dancers. And he tried to lead me into this, uh, this step. And he gave up after just two ochos and said, I can't lead you. And I asked, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you have no technique. And I felt insulted. I said, well, what do you mean? And he even took the time and I saw him rolling his eyes, which now looking back, I can so understand, you know, like, oh, these Americans, you know, with their steps. <laughs> and, and I could see flashing over his face, what are you doing in my class, woman? <laughs> and he led me into a, into a couple ochos and in the middle he let go and I completely lost my balance. And he said, see, that's what I mean. You don't know how to hold your own balance and how to find your own access. So there is no way I can lead you into the step. You need to learn proper ochos and heroes before I can actually lead you. And I was so insulted. I felt he was rude and it took me probably a year to understand what he was even talking about. I had no idea that there was an inner technique that I could learn and that tango wasn't about the external steps that I had seen in those videos that I thought I was mimicking. So at that point, I was an imposter. I was just mimicking steps, but none of it came actually through me. And uh, looking back, that particular teacher has given me a great gift because it stayed with me as an important lesson that any time that I think I know things, that I step back and wonder, okay, what would my teacher or mentor on or off the dance floor say if I walked in with a thought, oh, I know this now, I got this. And I question myself to see how can I come back to a beginner's mind and know nothing and approach it with a new, basically a new mindset. So, so that's my story about that. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, I can see uh, kind of metaphors, uh, with that in terms of, um, you know, when I'm, I'm in a tango lesson and I'm seeing my teacher lead something, 
and externally, you know, from the outside looking, it looks like this is what he's doing. Uh, but when I try to execute it, I'm not able to base just on what I see from the outside. Uh, but when he might like, you know, um, lead me so that I can feel it from within, I'm like, oh, that's what's happening. Yeah. And then I can lead that, right? And I see this correlation in, in life and, and business as well, where we might look at someone else and think, oh, that, that's what they're doing to create their success or, you know, to reach this goal. They're doing this. And if I just follow these steps, then I'll get there. And sometimes that's true. Um, but oftentimes just doing the steps by themselves doesn't get you the, the true goal that you want, right? You, you might accomplish what looks like the goal that you want, but you're missing the, the inner satisfaction, the inner fulfillment uh, that comes along with really leading with your whole self and not just uh, the, um, just not going through the motions. Yeah, I think um, it, it's a difference of knowing just strategies or having your soul invested in it, right? And, and leading from the heart rather than just the strategies or the steps. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, my tango lesson the other day where uh, my teacher said that I was dancing beautifully, but I was dancing from like my upper body. And, uh, and when he mentioned that, I was like, oh yeah, I can feel I was in my head. I, was, I wasn't completely present uh, I had was thinking a little bit about work. And so he, it was amazing that he could see that. And then he had me ground and really drop my energy. And that made such a huge difference in my own connection with myself, but also with, with my wife, with my partner. Mm. And then the dance just felt um, easier in a sense, because I was using the ground as support and not just trying to push above. Yeah, and, and for me, it's also the difference between knowing about something and actually knowing it. And what I mean by that is, you know, I can study, right? I can watch YouTube videos. I can even learn the steps. I can learn the history of tango and its music and the rhythm and understand how to count all the different rhythms. And so I know about it. But the way the dance then unfolds is just like that. It's very cerebral and it's lacking that soul connection that comes when you actually embody the knowledge. And I find the same is true when I sometimes watch my coaching clients, you know, when they come into a group session and I see them kind of blank out, you know, that, that look like, oh, yeah, I know all this. Why are you telling me again? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yet I can feel from, from their responses and from their ways of being that I'm observing, you know, in the stories that they tell, that they have learned about things. You know, they've learned about the principle that we discuss, but they don't know yet how to apply it organically from the inside. 
and there is such a big difference and um i love when that light bulb goes on right when i get to see that in my clients and the shiny eyes come it's like oh my god it's as if somebody turned on you know 3d imax technicolor from a black and white movie that i was in before and it i think what it is is it's a whole new level of and, and world of awareness that opens up when we allow ourselves to actually learn from the heart and to allow ourselves to be confident and yet to also know nothing and to be inquisitive and curious from a completely different space inside of us yeah i can i can feel in a lot of people how that might stir up some fear because in our culture society we value so much knowledge and knowing right and and to not know is seen as such a uh bad trait right like you know we don't want to be called stupid uh you know so we we put a lot of value in gaining knowledge right well what do they say like knowledge is power right so um so of course we try our best to to learn as much as we can and then also if you think about your know, early childhood school right you were rewarded for being right and knowing the answers and there was such shame and embarrassment uh about when you didn't know so it's conditioned in us to want to know so now you're saying martina that there's a beauty in not knowing there is there is and you know i recently watched a talk that really hit home for me that talked about the difference between confidence being a curse or a blessing and so, of course, we all want to be confident, right? You want to be a confident leader on the dance floor. I want to be a confident follower who understands what you are leading and who adds some embellishments and musicality, right? So I want to be confident in that. And yet, I think when, um, and I took some notes that I'd love to share, yet when, when I become overly confident, when I become overly certain, that I know what happens is I actually close off opportunity and I'm, I get too sure of myself and of my own knowledge and my skills to learn, to ask questions, right? I might be answering more or I might not be listening fully. I might be speaking more than listen. I might be answering more than I'm asking. And I might assume that what the other person is talking about is what I think they're talking about. And that stops learning. It stops in a business setting. It stops innovation, right? Because I'm certain. I know the outcome already. So there is, that's the box, right? That stops the out-of-the-box thinking. And even in tango, right? Uh, when I think about all these beautiful leg wraps that we now study and learn, the ganchos, the... Uh, boleos, the enganches, right? They all happened out of mistakes. You know, a leader changed their mind, the follower didn't catch on quickly enough, and 
the leg makes this beautiful little flare in the air. It's like, wow, that's beautiful. How did you do that? Those things would never happen if I am certain in every step and I repeat the same steps that I've learned before. And I think it also limits my situational awareness. On the dance floor, it's the leader that, you know, pushes me into another couple because they are so much in their head and so sure of what they want to dance in this moment that they lose track of where we are on the dance floor. And it limits creativity, right? Because I cannot create something new out of just regurgitating acquired knowledge. The real creativity comes when it all sinks in and I create something new out of there. And ultimately, it also creates difficulty in receiving feedback. And I've ex encountered that both, you know, me in the situation that I shared with you where I was, I was not open to feedback because I was so sure I was an advanced dancer at that point. Like, what's he talking about? You know, I've mastered this. I don't need mm -hmm. to learn from you. <laughs> and yeah. looking back, I regret how much I missed out, you know, from being in that attitude in that moment. And I think in those moments, feedback that is well meant that could help us learn so much. It occurs to us like mutiny or like criticism or judgment when actually it isn't. It's it's valuable feedback that can help us grow. Yeah, I think when we identify as the person that knows it all or has this confidence, and then when when it's challenged, that's when it's easy to get defensive or to shut down, right? And I can also see overconfidence as a safety or coping mechanism, right? To hide any insecurities. Uh, so, and, and again, you know, as I shared earlier, that inner society is, is really valued to be, um, be perfect in a sense. Not that anyone's ever asking you to be perfect, but there's some sort of reward system for that. And so uh, it's easy to fall into that trap of, I'm just gonna know this and do it right. And when I'm doing it right, then I will be seen as valuable, right? And, um, but it takes the joy out of the dance. It can take out the joy. And as you said, Martina, it, it removes any, uh, additional creativity that can bubble up out of that moment. So then on the other side of this, we talked about not knowing. Uh, we just talked about the uh, confidence being a, what did you say? A, either a blessing. A curse, or... right. Okay, so we just talked about confidence I, I, being I, curse. The curse, yeah. Yeah, so then... Talk a little bit more about confidence being a blessing. So confidence being a blessing means the confidence in, in my not knowing, right? That I am open, that I, I don't know the whole story, right? Like when I step on the dance floor with you or into the boardroom with you, I don't know your whole story. I don't necessarily know how your day went or what you're thinking about. So that alone already offers an opportunity for grace and an opportunity for connection. 
Because I think that the overconfidence, when I think I know it, I close off to connection. I, I lose my curiosity. But yet when I use my confidence in myself and my confidence in my not knowing, I'm open to be vulnerable. I'm open to feedback. And I'm confident enough in myself that I can choose what actually rings true for me in your feedback, right? Rather than being like in my example with this teacher, literally and physically knocked off balance. If I uh, was more aware of, you know, of my not knowing, I would have known that about myself and I would have been open to this incredible wisdom he imparted on me and making a connection with this teacher rather than interpreting that as rude and an insult and you know closing down that opportunity for connection so i think that's where the blessing of confidence is and that you know that heart-centered confidence rather than the external cerebral if i may call it that confidence yeah and i think this is very important in what's happening in the world right now, right? Because if we're living from the cerebral confidence where we're relying on things being a certain way and us showing up a specific way uh, based on gained knowledge or the trappings of success, it can feel very disconcerting because a lot of all of that is up in the air. Yeah. But when we can sink down and really feel connected to our core selves, right? Have that connection and learn to live moment by moment, then as you mentioned, there's a certain grace that can emerge in in how we live life. Yeah, and we can pivot on the mm -hmm. dance, literally on the dance floor, but also I hear in a lot of Zoom meetings, you know, the that businesses are pivoting to go from an you know, a live business or live events to an online facilitation. And I think doing this successfully, whether it's in a you know, in a marriage, in a family, where you're now homeschooling, where you're now navigating with your spouse being around 24-7, and how do I create privacy? How do I create boundaries? How do I give feedback and voice my needs in a way that's graceful? And how do I not assume I know everything about that person that I'm cooped up with, right? How do I allow change to occur and... How do I allow this to pivot me without feeling like a victim of the circumstances, but feeling like I'm actually surfing and utilizing the, uh, you know, the circumstances as an opportunity for my own growth? Yeah, so in closing, what are... I mean, you just offered a lot of great reflections on, on how we can start pivoting in, in our lives. And um, maybe that's enough to start with. 
Yeah, you know what I would say that how do we do that, right? How do we navigate the space between I know it all, I know nothing, and where do we find that sweet spot that's actually that healthy confidence? And for me personally, and, and I think what I, what I teach my clients is to begin each day, each moment with a beginner's mind. Because we don't know, you know, I mean, I may have danced uh, Francisco Canaro's El Flete, which is still playing in my mind. And no, I'm not hearing voices, <laughs> only tango voices in the best sense. But I may have danced that song a hundred times before. Yet when I start, step on the dance floor with you tonight in that dance, we have never come together in this particular style, in this particular mood, in this particular crowd, hearing the song this time for the first time in this moment as who we are today. And so reconnecting with that beginner's mind every time certitude comes in is very powerful tool for me to go back to you know not being that cocky <laughs> young dancer that I that knew it all you know five years ago and being a much more pleasant person um, being a better listener being a better follower and a better leader I think in my life by doing that and so that that's what I would offer and the second tool that I love is to, to consider, you know, when am I in the moments where I think that life is happening to me, right? Um, like in that story that I shared, I was blaming the instructor for being a bad and rude instructor. And he was literally happening to me where I thought I was doing everything right rather than learning, you know, that life actually can happen through me. And I think that's the access to creativity and the access to a different kind of power, right? You, you said something about power earlier. I don't remember the exact context, but I thought about that. Like, yeah, you know, that's when it comes from the heart and it's such a more powerful dance connection, leadership and, and so much more power and the joy of it. So those would be the two nuggets that I pluck out of our conversation today that I guess I'm most passionate about. <laughs> Yeah. Um, for me, similar, uh, what I've been practicing and what I've been teaching my clients is living in a space of openness. Mm -hmm. And that's similar to a beginner's mind, right? Where you're open to what is, uh, what you're experiencing. And uh, in a way, surrendering to the moment. Because that type of confidence as occurs is kind of a form of trying to control, controlling the moment, controlling your partner, controlling your, your mood even by trying to, um, to make it happen. And uh, with life happening for us or even through us, uh, we, it requires that openness to recognize that we, we don't have control, uh, except for how we respond. Yeah. Right. Love that. So my invitation is to practice receiving what life gives you 
and uh, that means not resisting, right? Not complaining. Uh, you might not like it. That's okay. Uh, but allowing what wants to emerge to emerge and just sitting with it. Yeah. And I, I think that can be very healing and, and um, expansive. And I love what you just shared. You know, it's a different kind of surrender than we first might think about because it doesn't require us to surrender to the circumstances, right? It doesn't require us to surrender to the mood and it also doesn't require us to skip over it and leave it behind or control it or push it away. And it might seem as a paradox in the beginning, right? When you first practice it, but I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. And I see it in the dance, right? Because if you make an invitation of a lead, then it's up to me to listen and respond. And I might respond differently than you expect. And uh, like um, in the movie Scent of a Woman, right? When you make a mistake and tangle, you just and you get all tangled up, you just tangle on and create a new movement out of it. <laughs> yeah, in... in uh... At, at my wife's dance studio uh, in the ballroom, we, we have a t-shirt that says that, uh, it says it's not a mistake, it's a variation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and every lead is an invitation and it's optional, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, Martina, this has been great to connect with you today and talk about what we know and what we don't know, uh, or more specifically, knowing it all and knowing nothing. Um, I invite our listeners to practice, to, to take up our suggestions and try them out and see what emerges for you. And please share your ahas, insights, anything that you gain uh, with us if, if you'd like to. Uh, on our Facebook page. And um, you can also follow our page. We'll have a link uh, on, on uh, in, in the notes. And uh, please invite your friends who might also be interested in this, in this discussion. So thank you for this dance. And thank you all who are watching for sharing this dance with us. And remember, it takes two to tango and to create conversations that truly move us. Until next time, this is Martina. And I'm Nat, and we're two life coaches on a mission to make the world a better dance floor. <laughs>